Friends, I have to admit that I struggle to get into this feast of Christ the King. It's one of the hardest for me to preach on in the whole year. And I think part of it is the baggage of kingship or monarchy. That I'm so American in that sense. Like we, like monarchy and kingship and queenship, it's not in our DNA as Americans. We revolted against it. The very existence of our country was a revolution against kingship. And so I think it's hard for me sometimes to enter into that because I'm I'm, you know, my whole way of thinking is is sort of formed by the American form of government uh, and belief in the separation of powers and a constitutional republic and representative democracy and all of that. And so it's hard for me to sort of enter in. And so I think each year it's we have to kind of enter into the first century mentality that that's how they would have that power was generally concentrated, right, in, in single individuals, whether it was a pharaoh or an emperor or a king. Uh, and so that's the primary metaphor that they would have would have seen. And of course, today it's been kind of transformed into to lessons about leadership. There's no shortage of books on leadership, on managerial authority, on all sorts of ways of exercising a kind of kingly, shepherdly presence without the baggage of the language of kingship. So I wanted to kind of focus today on two things. Um, what uh, this this uh, feast is only about a hundred years old, and I wanted to focus on what why the Pope inaugurated the feast of Christ the King, what it, it was meant to protect uh, in terms of our allegiances, and then second, what does the kingdom of Christ actually look like when it ushers in to our world. The first is, um, what is this feast meant to protect us from? Well, when Pope Pius XI inaugurated the feast, the Solemnity of Christ the King, in 1925, about 100 years ago, right, and he said it's going to be uh, towards the end of the liturgical year, and it's going to remind us all that our primary allegiance is to Jesus, not to any political realities. In fact, in his speech in which he inaugurated it, he warned against the two movements of what he called, at the time, nationalism and secularism. If you think about the world in 1925, we're coming off of World War I, and there's all sorts of movements toward a kind of hyper-nationalism, movements that will lead uh, to, for example, national socialism in Germany. There's also all sorts of things going on around the world, such as the Russian Revolution and the the Mexican Civil War, which are moving toward pushing the church out of society. Serious levels of persecution against the church, the execution of priests and religious. And so the Pope said at the end of the year, every year, we have to remind ourselves that our primary allegiance is not to a nation, it's not to a political party, it's not to a political leader. Our primary allegiance is to Jesus as Lord, to Jesus as King of all creation and as Lord of our hearts. I think it's true to say today we probably need the same reminder that around election time, post-election time, we probably always need the same reminder that our primary allegiance is not a party, it's not a political leader, right? it's not even a nation. It's Jesus as King. 
And we can have our preferences, and we can have our allegiances, all of which can be really good. But in the final analysis, Jesus is king. No other allegiances can take that pride of place. The second question is, like, what does the kingdom look like? Because I've been really interested in this question, because in the history of Christianity, there's been kind of these two extremes on where do we find the kingdom of God. And there's been a, a kind of a section that has said, you know what, the kingdom is only to be found in the world to come. Totally otherworldly. The kingdom is identifiable with heaven. And so everything here is just like, I like to think of it as like a really bad preview. You know, when you're sitting in the movie theater. It has just no connection to why you're there. It doesn't draw you in. There's nothing. Every, so heaven is, the kingdom is solely to be identified with the world to come. The other view has been the opposite extreme, which is that we can actually create heaven here. We can create a perfect utopian society. Right? And this has been the movement of many uh, sort of philosophies within Christianity, that we can create the city of God here on our own. And of course, as is true with many things, the gospel and the sort of consensus of Christian teaching has been somewhere in the middle. Which is that, because if you look at Jesus' teaching, he says things like, the kingdom of God is among you. He says things like, the kingdom of God is within you. But he also says things like to Pilate, my kingdom does not belong to this world. And so it's a, it's a matter of the kingdom in its full realization, in its full blossoming, only existing in the new world to come. When God intervenes in a definitive way to bring about the transformed new heavens and the new earth. In a kingdom where God reigns with justice and with wisdom. Right? That's the full realization of the kingdom. But, but the kingdom can be ushered in here too. The kingdom can be ushered in here too by the way in which we love. So our readings today give us that sense of where the kingdom is. We might even say that the kingdom, that Jesus is the kingdom in person. That wherever the love and truth of Jesus is, there is the kingdom. Wherever the love and truth of Jesus is, there is the kingdom. And so we can bring parts of the kingdom here. And so our readings fill that in for us. The first reading says, whenever we seek out the lost, there's the kingdom. Wherever we try to find the scattered sheep and bring them back into the pasture, there's the kingdom. Wherever we try to heal the wounds of someone else's pain, there's the kingdom. Whenever the gospel, we feed the hungry, and shelter the homeless, and clothe the naked, visit those in prison, we, there is the kingdom. And ultimately, the Gospel says that's what we're going to be judged on. Like, I don't know about you, but I'm haunted by this Gospel all the time. When I hear it, I, I feel it's injustice to say anything more. Like, I feel like every time that Gospel's read, I sh 
we shouldn't give a homily. Here I am giving a long homily, you know? Like, that haunts me. That's the litmus test. That's the criteria for getting entrance into the eternal kingdom. Caring for the those on the margins. Caring for the least among us. That's the litmus test. I think it should make us shudder. It should haunt us. It always haunts me. Whenever I hear it, I'm like, am I doing that? Am I doing that well enough? Am I doing that radically enough? If that's the criteria, faith transformed by radical love toward those on the margins, if that's the criteria for entrance into the eternal kingdom, that's a constant examination for all of us. But when we do those things, the kingdom is present. The kingdom is present whenever the love and truth of Jesus Christ is present. My last image is uh, the, the dying words of St. Thomas More. Uh, have any of you seen A Man for All Seasons? It's a great, great movie. Um, details of Thomas More's life. Uh, Thomas More, 16th century Chancellor of England, who when Henry VIII uh, broke from the Church of Rome over his uh, divorce and remarriage, um, Thomas More wouldn't stand with Henry VIII and he wouldn't sign the oath of supremacy that said that Henry VIII is now the church, the head of the church instead of the Pope. And so he was executed for that. And Thomas More has always been a hero of mine, and then I was fortunate enough to be ordained on his feast day, uh, June 22nd of 2013. But before he was executed, he said these famous words, his dying words. He said, I die the king's faithful servant, but God's first. I die the king's faithful servant, but God's first. Friends, as we celebrate this feast of Christ the King at the end of this liturgical year, let's make it our prayer and our commitment to have our primary allegiance be with Jesus as King. And let's help bring his kingdom into this world by the love of those who are on the margins.